This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. And now it's time for a deep South legend that's been keeping it real here in Atlanta for over two decades. It's the Buck Baloo Show, only on The Fan. Live from 680 The Fan Studios in the Battery Atlantis, the Buck Blue Show. Here on The Fan, 680 and 93.7. DT, our engineer, ready to get to work. Producer Adam Gillespie in the house. And uh, he is prepared to go today, too. And as you, uh, if you've been listening this week, we're joined by Heath Klein, executive producer of the Chuck Oliver Show on SST and co-host of Atlanta's official NFL pregame show here on The Fan. It's been fun, Heath. Uh, back again, came back for more today, huh? Absolutely, man. This has been great. Well, I'll tell you, there's some, uh, there's some bidding going on for your services around the station. And I want you to be aware of this. Six to ten on the fan here. We got the locker room show. And it seems like they're assuming that you're going to join them at some point in time. It's a big show. They typically have a lot of guys on the show. Uh, Hut exited. And so they feel like there's room for you there. Plus, as I understand it, they missed the free breakfast. See, if someone was late for the locker room show, if they come in a few minutes late, they've got to... They've got to buy breakfast for the entire crew. And Hudson was doing a lot of that. And so with Hudson gone, they're not getting breakfast anymore. They might be miscalculated with me because I live right around the corner. So I'm not going to be late too often if you shrub me in with those well, guys. Home team Finn, Joe Ham, and John Michaels are missing out on that. Now, you're a pro's pro, a veteran. Love to have, love having you on my show. So no, no issues there. I put in a big bid for your services here. Jelini and Domino, word in the break room is they want to add uh, your contacts that you've got to acquire more national interviews on their show and then add your college football expertise. I mean, who wouldn't want to add that to the show? Chuck and Chernoff, they've got a lot of pre-produced elements on their show. And right now, their producer, Cullen Madden, is almost overwhelmed. I mean, this guy is working his tail off. I think he's spending the night here. So they desire your producing skills on Chuck and Chernoff and then your ability to fill in when needed, too. A lot of off days on that show. So I think, uh, you know, you might end up there, too. So keep an eye on that one. Although word is Oliver's a little hesitant about that. He's afraid you will lose focus on your executive producer role with the Chuck Oliver Show. Even right now, we're sweating out the drama of a Michigan guest this morning, Buck. we got a lot of things happening around here. So you're a wanted man. <laughs> wanted man. Let's get to the big take. Buck's big take. The vote is in. And no, I'm not talking about New Hampshire. You can tune in to Extra 106.3 for that. I'm talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame vote. Baseball Writers Association of America gave the stiff arm again. 
to our man Andrew Jones, who fell below the 75% approval mark. He came up 13.4% short in his seventh year on the ballot. Come on, man! Even Willie Mays called Andrew Jones the best center fielder he's ever seen. And analytic freaks, pay attention. Andrew's win above replacement stat is higher than Joe Mowers or Todd Helton's, who both got good news last night. And, and know this, Andrew Jones remains only one of four players in the history of the game with 10 gold gloves and 400 home runs. The others, Mays, Griffey, and Smith. Baseball Writers Association of America should be ashamed. First, they turned their back on Dale Murphy, and now Andrew has come up short seven years in a row. Shameful! And yes, I understand Drew has three years, three more uh, years left on the ballot and reportedly is likely to get in next year. But likely ain't cutting it right now. Now, I want to encourage Andrew to not get discouraged with the disappointment nationally. And I want Andrew to realize how much he's loved and respected here in Braves country, just like Dale Murphy. The national writers can never change that. Best I can tell, the writers are penalizing Andrew because of a, and I quote here, a quick decline in his career. Of course, Braves fans will never, ever forget the Andrew Jones that was a shining star for a decade here in Atlanta wearing that Braves uniform. Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox won't ever forget the amazing things Andrew did for them. And neither will we. Big Take brought to you by Deco Systems Heating and Air. Contact your locally owned and operated Daco Systems at DacoSystems.com. Keeping Atlanta comfortable, one home at a time. And Heath, uh, you know, a lot of people assuming Andrew will make it next year, along with Billy Wagner, another former Brave, who missed out by just a couple of votes. And Ichiro Suzuki, those, those three names expected to make the cut next year. Let's hope so. Yeah, it's weird to me the way they do it. If you have a ballot that gives you room, I don't get these guys who gatekeep to the point that they want to only put in like one guy, two guys a year. So even if a guy's qualified, no, 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 I'm not voting for that many people. He'll have to wait another year. I, that's never made much sense to me. But, Buck, I'm a little concerned here because the, the buzz had been, hey, he's going to get there. Look at the way it's been incre incrementally increasing each year. You wonder, though, okay, maybe there was that first group of people who wasn't paying attention to defense, wasn't invested in this. And then they bought in. And that's how you made the big jump last year, 17% last year. This year, only about 3% more. What if we've kind of hit a threshold for Jones? Maybe maybe the people who feel like you talked about, ah, he declined too quick or whatever, maybe those people are kind of set in their ways, and the people who are persuadable have largely gotten persuaded. If so, that jump from, you need about 50 more votes. That jump from 61 to 75 might be harder than people thought. Because after last year, it was like, oh, okay, we've seen this movie before, Larry Walker and all these other guys. Yeah, you start with 10%, and by the time you're done, you're in the Hall of Fame. I'm a little concerned that number didn't jump a bit more than it did. Well, hopefully it's going to happen because he deserves to be Agreed. in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, look, I enjoyed watching the three guys that got in. 
I mean, they could all swing the bat. Beltre, my goodness, 400 home runs, 3,000 hits, five gold gloves, 21-year career, uh, so deserving. And he got 95% of the vote. Joe Maurer, one of the all-time great catchers, as I saw at three batting titles, a career 306 hitter, won an MVP. Uh, he made it by four votes. Four yeah, Which is some, a little surprising. Yeah, I think some people thought he was going to take longer than this. I think some people were definitely surprised that he got in as quick as he did. And, again, it's the same kind of thing with, with Andrew. You're talking about a guy whose career probably ended a little quicker than it should, had concussion issues, had some other major physical things he played through. Uh, I'm glad to see him get in, but but I was a little surprised he made it that quick. Here in the Deep South, Todd Helton, though, loved because he was a quarterback at Tennessee. Played for the Tennessee Volunteers. Boy, he could he could rake three sixteen career average, twenty five hundred plus hits, three hundred and sixty nine bombs, three gold gloves, the ultimate competitor. Uh, playing in Denver with a high altitude may have helped him with some of those home runs, but dude could put the bat on the ball. Got seventy nine point seven percent of the vote, and Jimmy Leland going in in this class too. I was a little bit surprised, speaking of Colorado, I would have thought Matt Holliday would do a little better than he did. Not that I'm saying I think Matt Holliday should be a Hall of Famer for sure, but four votes for him. I would have thought he'd get a little bit more benefit of the doubt. That was one of the numbers that actually down the ballot surprised me a little bit. You look at some of these guys that uh, you know probably aren't going to make it, but I, that was one that I thought would have gotten more votes. And then, you know, you look at a guy like a Chase Utley. I felt like Chase Utley might do a little better than he did. And, again, I'm not saying Chase Utley's a Hall of Famer, but I would have guessed he would have done a little better than Gary that Sheffield, yesterday. a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know, when you get into the PED thing, Buck, it's just so hard to tell. Now, he how never failed feel. a steroids test, right? There, there's different I standards mean, for different guys. Well, again, but we have a guy like Big Poppy who got in, even though he was tied into it. Then you got other guys like A Rod that had more direct involvement that clearly are being kept out. And Sheffield kind of fell in that nebulous, like, well, he's... That he's was his final of, year on the ballot. He's sort of involved with this, but not really. And so you saw some people who won't vote for a guy like A-Rod would vote for him. But my guess is that's what kept him out. Sheffield, one of four players with 2,500 hits, 500 home runs, 250 stolen bases. Played with the Braves for a minute. And also Billy Wagner missed out on five votes. Missed out. And uh, when you look at... Him, the highest strikeout rate in Major League Baseball history. The highest strikeout rate, 33%. And also the lowest batting average against at uh, 187. I mean, come on, Billy Wagner, one of the great closers of all times. I feel bad for those guys today. Yeah, I saw a guy advocating, John Heyman from the New York Post, advocating against Billy Wagner. And his argument was basically a combination of, one, that Mark Burley should get in because he's more valuable because he's a starter. Yeah. So even though Burley's at 8%, he thinks he's more valuable. He won't vote for Wagner. And he was also saying, well, if you put Wagner in, then you have to put in Kimbrell. And he doesn't want to put Kimbrell in. So he's preemptively voting against Kimbrell by voting against Wagner. I'm like, come on, man. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it size this guy up on his career, he should be suspended. not Kimbrell's career. That's ridiculous. Hey, let's uh, check in with the Falcon search. The Dirty Birds are in our blood. And guys like Buck know what's happening in the huddle. Let's dive into Falcons football on the fan. All right, day number 17 of the head coaching search. And basically the news today is looks like there'll be no splash hire. For the Atlanta Falcons, Belichick and McKay caught up in this power struggle. Got Jim Harbaugh now expecting to maybe hear some news even today that he will be the new Los Angeles Chargers head coach. 
You also have the second interview for Raheem Morris, so that means that oh, we're going takes... to the B list here. Well, well, maybe, maybe not. But what it does mean is, but one more interview with a minority candidate, and you can hire at any time. So if they did work it out with Belichick, or if they worked it out with Vrabel, who is also reportedly going to interview today, he, what do you think, Buck? Vrabel splash hire or no? Uh, I think he's sort of in the middle. Sort of a ripple hire, not a not a, not a full on cannonball. Sort of a a little wave. Well, Lord, I hope he wouldn't try to sell the Falcons on bringing Arthur Smith back as his offensive coordinator. There's a report that seven teams or more want him, according to uh, the, the claim from Diana Rossini of yeah. the Athletic. There, but yeah, you, I don't you, believe that for a second. He was he was one of the worst. He was probably the worst play caller in the NFL this year, the worst, and it was by a wide margin. That he was looked upon as the worst offensive coordinator, the the worst play caller in the NFL. So I think that's a made up story. Well, you know what the excuse is? Oh, the quarterback wasn't good. Yeah, of course, that's blaming like, it on somebody else. It's like who 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 chose the quarterback? Yeah, who made that decision? All right, uh, Falcons search uh, brought to you by Ace Hardware, your locally owned and operated Ace. Find your neighborhood store at AceHardware.com. Coming back on the other side, we're going to get some answers. From our NFL insider, Chris Mortensen. It's the Buck Baloo Show here on The Fan, 680 and 93.7. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. So, Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand. Was it something I said? Well, we did a background check on you and found some things of concern. If you're in charge of hiring for your company, you know how helpful a background screening can be. That's why companies that use Horizon Background Screening make smarter hiring decisions. Don't let the wrong hire put your company at risk. Get the real story on your candidates at horizonscreening.com. Horizonscreening.com. Got the Blue Show here on the fan, 680 and 937. Streaming at 680thefan.com. Click and watch the show. Say hello, Heath. Hello. Wave in the studio. That's Road Dog in the back. DT's up front. <laughs> DT looking a little like the, remember the Marlboro Man? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it looks a little like that. You need a cowboy hat and some flannel, I think, DT, to fully... I mean, I don't have I don't have a cowboy hat. I don't have a uh, cigarette. I'm not wearing flannel. I don't know. I don't understand well, this. Well, the, the beard and the mustache play into that. Okay, I'll take that as yeah, a compliment. Looking good, looking sharp. When DT comes in tomorrow wearing chaps, this is on you, Buck. Uh, <laughs> I better run with this, huh? Let's <laughs> make this my new thing. Hey, you can also listen on the Fan Mobile app, driven by Beaver Toyota of Coming Beaver Direct, fastest and easiest way to shop online for your next vehicle. And you can also listen to the show, even let's say you've got an appointment, business appointment between 10 and 11, you can listen to the show later in the day on the Fan Mobile app. So it really comes in handy. Let's see, Wednesday, 1020. That means it's time for Chris Mortensen here on the Fan. The best NFL insider in the business is only on the Fan. 
This is ESPN's NFL insider, Chris Mortensen. Mort, we're almost worn out with this Falcons head coaching surge. We've interviewed like 52 people. Well, yeah, uh, 52 is four you have to interview, but I, I said with a limit. So, uh, well, listen, I think that Arthur Blank, you know, being a member of the diversity committee for so long and all the heat that's been given and the change of rules that came with, you can't interview a coach on a playoff team that's alive until the, after this weekend, next week when there's an off week. Uh, and Aaron Glenn of the Lions being one of those guys, I, I, I believe that may be slowing things down. But, you know, I, I checked before I came on air, and I'm telling you, the, the, Jim Harbaugh is, is is still very interested in Atlanta, despite the reports that he's on the verge of San Diego. What I've asked, is does Harbaugh have a bit of a deadline himself because Michigan wants him back, obviously, uh, and, and he does. So I, I think that uh, I think that you know who knows they could turn around and name somebody later today or tomorrow, even with plans to go into next week. Uh, but uh, Harbaugh to me is the interesting one because uh, I've I, I double and triple checked this. His interest in Atlanta is much higher than we imagined. Everybody assumed Chargers. It yeah. may end up being the Chargers. But when you consider that Atlanta, I think, wants a young quarterback in the first round to develop, Harbaugh would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just flawed being a Falcons fan for all these years. I think he's leveraging the uh, the Falcons uh, to, to get a yeah. better deal with the Chargers. Well, that's what I thought, but then, but then, somebody I trust immensely said that's not the case because, okay, yeah, you get Justin Herbert, but uh, you know the Chargers said they're just a tenant in L.A. They're not. I mean, it, it, there's some things there that would make people hesitate, but yeah, I mean, if he turned around and got a Chargers Chargers deal, that that wouldn't surprise me. It's always what I thought would happen. And that, but it surprised me on Atlanta uh, in terms of his interest in them. And I think it's because he loves J.J. McCarthy. He sure does. Mort, we got Heath Klein sitting in with us this week. Mort, hey, I'm Heath, how you doing? Great, Mort. I appreciate you being with us. And, and I'm curious, with the talk about Harbaugh and the idea that he wants to bring in his former coordinator, who a lot of people don't necessarily think is a perfect fit for Herbert. Would that be a reason, maybe, if that reporting is true, that he wants to, to bring in his former coordinator, that maybe Atlanta could be a better fit because you could have that lump of clay to start with as opposed to a Herbert who's more of a pocket guy? Uh, well, it, it could be, but, you know, Jim, Jim can coach quarterbacks, uh, you know, either way. I mean, Her, Herbert, Herbert's more of a pocket guy, but he, he's a good athlete if you, if you watch him. Uh, you know, it is interesting that in, when he was with the 49ers, we forget that he resuscitated Alex Smith's career. And it wasn't just Alex Smith as a pocket passer, because Alex Smith was a heck of an athlete. Uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick replaced him because uh, Smith got concussed. But go look at uh, Alex Smith's rushing numbers that year. And 
and, and and it's true that you know he had Kaepernick, and so. But I, I think that uh, I think Arbaugh knows that he wherever he goes, he's going to end up in a good situation. More. Why has Belichick to the Falcons report been cooling off here? Is it because? of a power struggle with Rich McKay, uh, Belichick not liking the structure, would have to go through McKay. McKay was such a heavy hand and and all this going on with the Falcons. Is that the issue that we're looking at here with Belichick? No, I read that, and it it has zero factor. I I don't think that that would be the case if Belichick is, is the coach. I think the question that Belichick and the other teams have had is, is about staffing. It's about, you know, of course, they want to make sure Josh Lee Daniels is coming and, uh, and, and the quarterback situation. You know, so uh, it's interesting that there are more teams that have pursued Belichick, which does make you suspect, and that's all this is, a suspicion, that the Falcons and Belichick have been there at the altar, and, and, and they said, we'll go through the process and we'll, 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 we'll have the uh, the final ritual in three weeks. That that's a possibility, as far as I'm concerned. More as far but, as the yeah. B list goes, which one of these guys are you impressed with? Uh, you know, I'd prefer a guy as we've talked about a guy that has a little head coaching experience for crying out yeah. loud. So, a guy like Raheem Morris does. Uh, I look at him and think, okay, here's a guy that might be a good fit. Yeah, to me, Raheem to be in this conversation because, first of all, they have familiarity with him. He's been a head coach. He's been there on the, uh, not just the defensive side, but the offensive side, interim head coach. He's been out there uh, with Sean McVay in L.A. and done well. I think he's an attractive head coach. So, to me, this should be Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, or Raheem Morris, and, and, and not in any particular order, uh, but uh, – I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I know that Bobby Sloan is is, is attracted to the Houston Texans guy, and Aaron Glenn. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a Parcells a Parcells guy that a lot of people are high on. The Lions do, and and you know the offensive coordinator Johnson. But to me, it has to be a guy with some head coach experience on this hire. When you look at some of the other spots that are open. I guess there seems to be a buzz. Maybe Ben Johnson's going to probably wind up with Washington. Maybe some talk now that the Bucks OC is where uh, the Panthers are going. Are, are there any candidates, Mort, that you feel like the Falcons want that somebody else might grab before them? Or do they have that luxury that it looks like, other than Harbaugh with the Chargers, they do have the first dibs on the guys they seem to want? I think that whatever Arthur Blank is Saying to the, the the guys we're talking about, like the Belichick and Harbaugh, uh, you know, it, it, it is very attractive to them. So, I you know, I, I think there's been candidates that have impressed them, but the bottom line is, is I do believe, as, as Buck has said, this this guy has to have some head coaching experience, and I think Arthur Blank believes the same. If, Mort, if we're wrong, we're wrong. Mort, what are you hearing about the Bears and what their plans are? Do you think the Falcons are interested in Justin Fields? Is that all predicated on who the head coach they hire will be? I, Well, uh, there may be something to it, but I think 
overwhelmingly the owner and, and, and probably Terry Fontenot too wants to get back to, we want our own young quarterback to develop and go forward with. And Justin Fields is kind of a tweener, but you're going to have to pay him a contract, a big contract pretty soon. And they don't want to certainly get into a salary cap situation when, when there are there are people happy half the people in this league who still aren't buying in on Justin Fields. So I'll be surprised if they, they go after Justin Fields unless the head coach is just pounding the table for him or Terry Fontenot is. I, I think that uh, they want a, a rookie quarterback in this draft. Falcons you could have a veteran. You could have a veteran come in for a year or two, but that wouldn't mean Justin Fields. The uh, Falcons sitting there with the eighth pick in the first round. We, we've talked about this before. I wanted to revisit this with you. Jaden Daniels, any chance he's there at eight, or are the Falcons going to have to move up to get him? Uh, they'd have to move up to get him from what I'm hearing. So uh, you have been on Jaden Daniels, and for good reason. So uh, that's why I say the Harbaugh thing is interesting. He would certainly fit. Jaden Daniels would fit there, too. But if Harbaugh thinks J.J. McCarthy is, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time, isn't that what he's called him? Oh, go, good Lord. Yeah, but, uh, uh, you know, number eight, he would be there. But you'd have to go up to number one or two. If if, if you want the – there's a quarterback that you absolutely are convinced that he's the guy, you have to be willing to trade for the number one pick in the draft and whatever that will cost. More great stuff as always. We'll look forward to having you next week. All right, Buck. Hey, take care. ESPN's Chris Mortensen, our NFL insider here on The Fan. All right, Heath, let's uh, bounce around the college football scene and let's talk about who you or who we believe will be the next first-time national championship head coach in the world of college football. Now, we saw this online. Uh, I forget exactly who wrote the piece. Ryan Nanny from The Messenger. Okay, Ryan Nanny from The Messenger. It was really well done. I screwed it up. Brad Crawford for 24-7 Sports. Different piece for Ryan Nanny. My bad. All right, 24-7 Sports. Want to make sure we get that out there. So, Kalen DeBoer at Alabama looks like he's a guy that'd be at the top of that list. Then you got some other guys like Brian Kelly down at LSU, uh, Mike Norvell at Florida State, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss was mentioned. Uh, Of course, Dan Lanning out at Oregon. Ryan Day comes to mind. Sarkeesian out at Texas. If you you could select one of those dudes, man, it's going to be the first to win that national championship. Who would you be going with there? Don't you kind of have to lean Brian Kelly? And I understand Ryan Day. They're loading up for 2024. They're putting... So many chips on that square, Buck, but but if you're Brian Kelly, I mean, you're at a place where Les Miles won a national title, where Ed Ogeron won a national title. He's remaking the staff. He's bringing in some defensive coaches that seem to really be an upgrade from what they had. We know what kind of athletes they have. They got a quarterback in Nussmeyer that you and I haven't talked about, but I like the starting point for him. It feels like he could have a really big year. They're keeping the same offense largely in place, even though they lost the coordinator. I mean, it sure feels like LSU, with the resources they have within the next couple of years, should have a chance to do this thing. Yeah. Um, 
you know, they, LSU, they better figure out how to play a little bit of defense, man. That, that's the thing that concerned me. Baker's good, though. He's a good D.C. Yeah, they, they need some talent over there is what they True. need, and they need to be coached up. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with, with Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. I believe he's a guy that has really come a long way from his days with Nick Saban at Alabama, uh, the experience in the NFL here with with the Falcons. I think all this has helped him uh, elevate his skill set as a head coach. He's gotten off the bottle, which has helped him tremendously. And I look at what they've got going on at Texas, man. I mean, you look at their recruiting. He is loading up with talent at Texas. They've had three top five recruiting classes in a row. So they're back recruiting elite level talent at Texas. Uh, the resources that they have allows them to, on this in this NIL world, to be able to go out and get any player that they desire. And they've been able to do some of that, adding uh, to position groups where they need a little bit of help. They've done it at receiver here in the last couple of months. So you put those three things together, and I think Texas is close to being back in a big, big way. In fact, I believe in 2024, they are the major threat to Georgia in the SEC. But does it worry you at all, though, Buck? Because I'm with you. What you're saying is absolutely true about the talent they've got, the resources, all that. And yet my thing is you're coming into the SEC. You're coming into a conference where every week now it's a new experience for you that you haven't done you haven't been in these stadiums maybe sark was there with bama but you haven't been there you're going to get a higher level of talent week in week out than you got in the big 12 i just feel like there's going to be an adjustment period for that program you you were able to focus all your resources on maybe one big non-conference game oklahoma maybe two other games like an oklahoma state a tcu one year every week they got to bring it in this conference buck and consistency has not been sark's hallmark through the years to begin with much less that whole program and I did mention the one thing, and that is they're about to transition from yours to one of those Manning boys. So look out for that. What they're yeah, doing. I just add it all up. Uh, you know, I look at uh, DeBoer. I think they're going to take a, a step back under DeBoer, losing Nick Saban, uh, the best head coach in college football history, in my opinion. So there's going to be some setbacks, some transition with DeBoer. So I think Alabama takes a step back. I'm concerned about Brian Kelly and his defensive side of the ball. Uh, Norvell, it seems like a revolving door down in Tallahassee. They uh, got guys leaving. They got guys coming in. Uh, you know, I've got some questions about that. Lane Kiffin, look, he handles that transfer portal as well as anybody. They have an offensive scheme that gives everybody trouble. You know, there's some hesitation there. Dan Lanning loaded up with talent, recruiting that West Coast area. Lanning does a great job of getting these guys coached up. They're making transition now into the Big Ten. I wonder how that's going to go. Uh, Ryan Day, I know Ohio State's got talent. And they're able to dive into that transfer portal in the NIL, too, with all the money that they've got. I feel like Pat Dye used to say, though, are they tough enough? I guess that's why they hired Bill O'Brien. But I just keep going back to Texas and Sarkeesian. Talent, resources, uh, coaching them up. To me, if I had to bet on any of these guys, it would be Texas getting it done. See, it's, it's interesting, Buck, because if we went through the list and we just said, okay, will this guy ever win a national title, yes or no, it's not the question of who's going to win it next. 
I think Landing will eventually get there. I think Sark will eventually get there. But exactly what you talked about with Landing, what I talked about with Sark, just having to adapt to so many new places you're playing, uh, going across the country for Oregon. That's why, I, I, better or worse, Brian Kelly knows what he has dealt with the last two years, what he had to fix, what they have to do in the portal to get talent if they need to. That's why I like him is just because I feel like he has a better handle on what he's dealing with. But there's a lot of really good coaches on this list. Some of them will break through. Yeah, no doubt about it. Somebody's going to have to do it. Just a matter of who. Hey, Atlanta Sports Station, 680 The Fan in the Locker Room. We're sending five lucky listeners to Sandals, Dunn River Falls, and Jamaica, Mon. Tune into the locker room starting Monday, January. That's uh, coming up this Monday. Your first chance to get entered to win one of five. Count them, five trips. And your spot on the beach or on the course at Sandals, Dunn River Falls, and Ocho Rios. That all gets underway right here on the fan Monday with the locker room show. First thing in the morning. I could use a trip down to Jamaica, Mon. So could Kelly, my lovely wife. Nah, it looked like they were having an awesome time when they were down there. I've never been out of the country, ever. So that's a nice spot if you're going to do it, to pop on down there, get a little sun. I went to Japan once. Japan? Yeah, I played in a college all-star football nice. game out there. Okamoto. Dunn's River, Fenner and Sam. Takahashi. All right, so that starts on Monday, your chance to win big here on The Fan, just by listening. How about that? Let's get to the Bulldog beat. The Fan's got a Georgia Bulldogs national champion on the beat. 25-20, mark sideline, 15 10, 5, get in there, touchdown! This is the Bulldog beat with Buck Balloon. Presented by Georgia's own credit union and attorney Ken Nugent. All right, Bulldog beat time. Let's talk about Carson Beck. Heath, as we look at the Heisman odds and look who the favorite is. Georgia quarterback Carson Beck. How about them dogs? You tell him, Kirby. I think he may be uh, tied with Quinn Ewers, the Texas quarterback, with the highest odds to walk away with that Heisman trophy this year. Yeah, both of them are listed as seven and a half to one by one of the national sports books. And honestly, Buck, it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, you look at it, combination of a year to build up his reputation last year, chose to stick around. So uh, perceived as being a guy that's a high draft pick in the future. I think he gets a certain level of benefit because Georgia didn't win the national title this year. Now, if Georgia's back in the playoff next year, as we all would anticipate they would be. If you can win some games there, I, I think that will only boost your stock long-term for the NFL, but getting there will still be perceived, I think, now as more of an accomplishment as opposed to maybe last year where people would have just been like, ah, he's just another cog in the machine, dogs can't be stopped. Uh, I think he's going to get more credit, more benefit of the doubt for what he does this year because of what he showed last year. And, look, Georgia should be right in position. I, it's hard to imagine if he stays healthy, Buck, he's not at least in New York. You know, I look at it this way. Year number one, he was fabulous. He was number seven in college football and total QBR, the advanced analytics uh, stat that takes a lot of things into consideration. I, I pay attention to that. Back number seven in college football is a first-year starter. And they threw it 30 times a game on average. So Kirby's letting Bobo, they're throwing that thing all over the yard, using the entire field, completed 72% of his passes for almost 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, only six interceptions, only sacked 11 times the entire season. And I'm just going to believe that Carson Beck's going to be better in year number two than he was in year number one. Yeah, I was surprised, Buck, because... 
I don't know if it's because people before the season had thought Bowers would be the Heisman candidate, and so they just weren't equipped to deal with the idea that they should shift to somebody else. All the questions you had about him, you know, you're, you're down 11 to South Carolina. He leads a comeback, shows he can handle that kind of a situation, that kind of a pressure. He's putting up the numbers you're talking about. They're winning games. I couldn't figure out why he wasn't getting more attention last year, but people just somehow the radar. Somehow the national media just never really seemed to pay attention to him and you know, doing it without Bowers, doing it without McConkey at times. I mean, how often did they have those two guys on the field together all year? And look at the talent. They didn't this, get a lot of credit for it. Look at the talent that's going to be around Carson Beck. Offensive line's going to be legitimate. Now they lost a couple of key guys. But you look at who's returning, they should be able to be one of the better offensive lines in college football. So the protection looks like it's going to be there. They got four receivers that are coming back. You got Lovett, you got Ra Ra Thomas, you got uh, Bell, you got Arian Smith. So you got some guys he's worked with that have already made plays for him returning to uh, to catch the football for him. Plus, you got these three transfers coming in. you got Michael Jackson III coming, coming in from USC. you got London Humphreys from Vanderbilt that looks like a really quality receiver. Colby Young, long uh, receiver, ex-receiver out of the Miami Hurricanes program. So add those three to the four they've already got. And they are deep at wide receiver. They're loaded out there. Uh, Delp and Lucky at tight end. ETN at running back. I mean, there are 10 weapons right there that you're going to see Beck using in the passing game. He's got everything he needs to go out there and have a Heisman season. Yeah, and as I mentioned, he was already, with the exception of Daniels, 10% better than everybody else in the SEC on throws over 15 yards downfield. The thing that also interested me, Buck, is if you look at these Heisman odds, again, we mentioned him and Ewers are tied at the top. Ewers, you just wonder, can he stay healthy? He hasn't gotten through a season healthy yet. He'll do good things in Sark's offense. Can he stay healthy? Yeah, Dylan Gabriel now at Oregon. We'll see how he adapts to a new place. But, Buck, look at that next group there. Will Howard adapting to a new place at Ohio State. Should be uh, easy for him. Jalen Milrow. And Nico from Tennessee, kid has started one game, Buck, yeah, and already good, people though, are putting man. him in the Heisman top six. And he's running wow. that Heupel system, which allows the quarterback to put up these big numbers. Don't forget about Riley Leonard, also making it from Duke up to Notre Dame. He's going to be playing on a really good team there. Our Notre Dame quarterback always seems to be in the mix there. Milrose, the guy that looks like an outlier to me. He just doesn't fit. What DeBoer is going to put in place at Alabama offensively as far as the scheme goes. They're looking for a guy like Penix who can read coverage, get rid of the ball quick, be highly accurate, short to intermediate in the passing game. Now, that is not Jalen Milrow as I look at it. So I don't know if the fit's going to work out for Milrow. Well, especially with DeBoer bringing a quarterback from Washington with him that they supposedly really think highly of. So, yeah, I mean, if Milrow struggles. I wouldn't be surprised if Milrow got out of here in that transfer portal. Yeah, maybe after spring there's room, and and it would be interesting to see where a guy like that would go after spring if he looks at this offense and realizes, hey, I don't have this job near as secure as I would have had it been the old staff. Gone. One thing you got to have to win the highest win, you got to have stats. You got to have those big numbers, Heath. And I try, you know, with my vote, I try to look a little deeper than just the stats. I'm looking for football players. You know, try to look uh, deep into the defensive side of who's the best defender out there in college football. I've never been a stats guy. Never 
have I thought, okay, stats is the number one thing. And I think a lot of these voters are. They're all about the stats. I wish we could get away from that, Buck, because uh, when, when I voted, and I didn't have a vote this year because I moved over here and I haven't gotten a vote yet in Georgia, but when I, I had my vote between 09 and last year, there were times where I voted for different guys that, you know, defensive players, offensive linemen. I hate this idea that the only person that can win the Heisman is either a quarterback or a running back that goes for 2,000 yards, and otherwise nobody else plays football. I hate that. Coming back on the other side, we'll dive into the NFL playoff games. Championship weekend coming up. We're ready. How about you? Got the Buck Blue Show here on the fan, 680 and 93.7. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. So Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand. Was it something I said? Well, we did a background check on you and found some things of concern. If you're in charge of hiring for your company, you know how helpful a background screening can be. That's why companies that use Horizon Background Screening make smarter hiring decisions. Don't let the wrong hire put your company at risk. Get the real story on your candidates at horizonscreening.com. Horizonscreening.com. On the fan, 680 and 93.7, 10 to 11, Monday through Friday here on the fan. I want to give you the heads up, a reminder, this Saturday, we've got Braves Fest presented by Delta Airlines going on, going down here at Truist Park in the Battery Atlanta. Tickets are free, and you got to have a ticket to be here, so download your complimentary ticket today and be here Saturday from 10 to 4. Get your free tickets and details at braves.com slash bravesfest. Sounds like a lot of fun. It always is here uh, for Braves Fest. And we've got four tickets to the Georgia basketball game we want to give away right now. Four tickets, 404-231-1680. Got LSU in town over in Athens at the Stag and want you to be a part of it. Bulldogs playing some quality basketball. It's a fun atmosphere. Took my boys over during the holidays. We saw Georgia beat Georgia Tech. And so we want to hook somebody up right now listening to the show. Four tickets to see Georgia take on LSU. Also, we've got time here. Let's talk a little NFL playoff. Playoffs. Got championship weekend on Sunday. Chiefs and Ravens, 3 o'clock kickoff. Ravens favored by three and a half. Got the Lions and 49ers kickoff around 630. 49ers a seven-point favorite. In the game, I think the Lions are the weakest of the four teams. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing the Chiefs who are playing. They've elevated their play here. The Chiefs are playing at a high level. Ravens, the top seed. Ravens look like maybe the best overall team when you look at offense, defense, quarterback, coaching. I think the Ravens may be the best in the mix right now. So I'm looking forward to that game. Chiefs little, and Ravens. Yeah, I was a little surprised by this, Buck. I saw the early lines have been put out for the possible Super Bowl matchups. After the game we saw, with the Ravens going into San Francisco, whipping them in their building, I would have thought the Ravens would be favored because I'm with you. I think they're playing the best ball right now. 
Niners are still favored by a point and a half if that's the Super Bowl matchup, at least according to the preliminary lines. They agree with you that the Lions would be an underdog to either of the teams from the AFC. But, Buck, I, I, I just I have some questions about the 49ers, especially if they don't have Samuel. I don't know that I think the Lions are better than them, but they are such a different team without Samuel. If he's not 100%, I feel like the Lions could do this. Well, I saw, did you see your man Skip Bayless? Oh, my man. Bayless saying oh, congratulations Lord. to the Lions for beating the Bucks. They've won an opportunity to get blown out in San Francisco. That's what Bayless was saying. You're a big Bayless guy, aren't you? Is anybody besides Skip Bayless a big Bayless guy? Uh, look, did he do the bit where he somehow used this as an excuse to film himself throwing his cowboy shirt in the trash again? Is that his deal? Uh, look, I, I just think this, Buck. If you're a Falcon fan, shouldn't you be inspired by this Lions story? I mean, look, I know the Falcons have been to two Super Bowls, so the Lions have been way worse than them, but this is an organization that couldn't do anything right. Anything. And then they hired Dan Campbell. And three years later, here they are on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. It and can be done. It has happened. It can be done. How about these pregame speeches that Dan Campbell's been delivering to that Lions football team? I mean, I think it's... Com- compares to what Kirby Smart's doing over at Georgia and we've we've all heard some of the pieces of these pregame speeches Kirby's been delivering those boys are busting down the doors to get out between the hedges and Campbell now with some of that same reputation inspiring this team to go out and play at a high level yeah I have a friend who actually worked on his staff for the first two years up there and he told me this is not an act this isn't a shtick that he does for the cameras and he thinks that's why it works is because Campbell is so authentic and the players believe in him, believe in the toughness, the way he has built that culture there. It's not a routine. It's not a bit. And, uh, hey, give him credit, man. A lot of people underestimated this guy. He's done amazing work. Lions, uh, I think they're going to have to score some points here if they're going to pull off the upset. They're going to score points. I think they need a guy like a Jamison Williams. To step up and break out and have a big-time game, hit a couple of deep balls. What about Gibbs, though, the way he's coming on? I yeah, mean, they have they, really gotten some electric and, play out of him. You know, the, uh, the Niners are going to be all over him, trying to lock him down, control him. So I think a guy like Jamison could, you know, explode for a couple of big plays and help make the difference he, there. He definitely could. I, some of the things that they're doing with short motion, creating matchups, getting opportunities, I feel like even if the Niners try and take away Gibbs, Johnson's going to scheme him open and have him with a chance to get some big plays, get him matched on a backer they don't want. He is really good at creating matchups. You know, in the AFC, we've spent a lot of, uh, I know I've spent a lot of time this year wondering, okay, what's wrong with the Chiefs? Taking a step back in their performance level, a lot of that on offense where, you know, at a certain point in time in the season, they weren't getting a, getting a lot of big plays. Well, let me tell you, that's what's changed with the Kansas City Chiefs is they are now getting explosive plays. Two playoff games, they've got 15 plays in those two playoff games over 20 yards. So this is what's back with Kansas City. They're getting the plays, the explosive plays in these playoff games. The regular season, I think they were getting less than than four plays a game over 20 yards. That's times two in the playoffs. Well, they seem to have figured out that Rice is their lead receiver along with Kelsey, their top two options. And then Scantling like yeah. finally starts catching the ball. It changes everything. I mean, you saw what they were doing with Tony Buck. I mean, they just he's so talented with the ball in his hands. They kept trying to involve him, but he just 
didn't do the things they needed him to do. So it feels like they've at least figured out who they are now. They might want to uh, not get that ball to Miko Hardman after he laid it on the ground a couple of times. So, yeah, well, looking forward to it, man. Championship weekend coming up on Sunday. I'm ready. I know you are, too. Let's get to the final word. Time for the final word. Brought to you by Howard Brothers. Keeping Georgia green since 1955. Looking forward, we'll have uh, PGA Tour golfer Kevin Kisner. Kiz, as we call him. He's a Georgia guy. Big George Bulldog fan. Kiz is going to join us on the show tomorrow. So we're looking forward to that. Keith, great having you on again today. Let's do it again tomorrow. You know it. Nick and Chris are coming up next. How about Tabino, man? He has back surgery. He's in the very next day. <laughs> Stay tuned for Cellini and Domino. They're coming up next here on The Fan. Thank you, bud. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, Atlanta, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today, accentroofingservice.com. 